This is Consumed, the podcast that sparks conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a freelance food and drink writer based in San Luis Obispo. Ariana Lovato is founder and principal of Honeycomb Home Design in Rio Grande, California, and kitchen design is her specialty. She is an associate kitchen and bath designer with the National Kitchen and Bath Association, an allied member of the American Society of Interior Designers, and the winner of many, many design awards. Ariana is a wealth of information and expertise when it comes to kitchens. I know this for a fact because she designed my kitchen remodel. My husband Jake and I couldn't agree on much when we did that project, so we hired Ariana and she helped guide us to workable, practical, and pretty solutions. She talks here about what people get wrong about building kitchens, how growing up Iranian-American influenced her life choices, and about the $10,000 rug that nearly broke her. This is Ariana Lovato. Ariana Lovato, you have Honeycomb Home Design now in Rio Grande, but it was in Shell Beach for a while. Yeah, we were in Shell for four years, and I love my it's a little 300 square foot studio. I loved it. Wow, right next to the barber shop, but it just was a one man shop, yeah. you know. And we have a team. I have four full time employees now. So, found the space in EG. It was a yoga studio um, that didn't end up reopening after COVID. And so I'm like negotiated my way in. Mm-hmm. We remodeled, did some tenant improvements. And yeah, right as I was like two weeks before I gave birth, we moved in. <laughs> so that oh. was fun. You're crazy. And cra- yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah. but we're in. I was still not quite settled, but it's just so nice to have a bigger space to bring mm-hmm. clients into and have an actual like working cabinet display we have our own cabinet lines and do you really yeah so we have two of our own cabinetry lines and so we have a semi-custom and then a fully custom line and it just kind of fell hand in hand with doing kitchen design because we wanted to you know kind of see the project through all the way and I found these two companies that had really unique door styles Mm -hmm. and um different wood species that they would use that I just couldn't find around here Mm -hmm. and so I just kind of dove into that as an additional product offering. Wow. And that's so. since in the past couple of years it would have to yeah. be, right? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. You've blown up. Um, when did you, st- I mean, you're so young, if you don't mind me asking, when did you start Honeycomb? Yeah. So I started in 2016. How old were you? I was 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's rad. That's rad. <laughs> Real, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those, like, I mean, I you know, I went to design school in LA. I got out of the small town. I got my big city fix. And then... Because you're from here. From here. I grew yeah. up here. And so I went to AG High School and uh, family still lives in Arroyo and moved to LA, uh, went to design school down there. And then I moved back up here. I got my bachelor's in business mm-hmm. and um, and I worked for an interior designer for three years as her assistant. And then I worked for builders, other designers, just kind of like freelancing and learning as much as I could. And then I worked for a large construction company and I learned that side of it, which was like the best experience because, um, that's stuff that they just don't teach you in school. No. And, and having worked with you, that definitely is a benefit to the client that you don't, I I don't think you get from a, a, you know, the person that you think is going to be the perfect interior designer. I think a lot of people think it's just finishes. Yeah. Um, and that's not the case with you at all. 
yeah, I try to like learn as much as I can. I do not know everything and things that I don't know I ask questions about, but I think knowing enough about construction and what the process is helps me educate the client of like, okay, no, 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 this is, this is the way you would do it. This is how long it's going to take. It just sets up better realistic expectations. And then from a trade side, you get the respect from the contractors and from the subs because they know, okay, you kind of know what you're talking about and I can at least speak contractor to you. Yeah. And then I can relay that to the client. Yeah. So that was like the biggest, uh, great experience working with that construction company. And then I was kind of given an opportunity of like, okay, do I want to keep working 40 hours a week for this company and making whatever I was making? Or do I want to start my own business? And, that's and work a billion hours a week. Right. Yeah. It's just 80 hours for myself or 40 <laughs> hours for somebody else. So um, I just decided, I don't know. I talked to my husband. We were renting at the time. We had no kids. It was just like, okay, if I'm ever going to do it, and this is what I've always wanted to do, I daydream about it. I got my degree in business because I thought that's what I needed for it, which is mm-hmm. helpful, but not all. Well, that's a side tangent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just, you know, decided to do it. And so I started in 2016 and I had just a couple clients at that time. And I, you know, worked really hard on building my own website and just mm-hmm. trying to get as many like side projects, like helping somebody redo a fireplace or picking out throw pillows. <gasps> or, I mean, you were, it must have been, you must have been brand new. We needed in our house on Ramona, yep. we were about to move out and start renting it out. And we needed, we, we had added on to the house and where there used to be a window above the kitchen sink. Now there had to be, we had to continue the tile backsplash and it was dark and weird. Yep. I and, remember. And we needed something. And I was so stressed out with moving out of the house and dealing with the renovation that I told Jake you need to figure something out here and I want you to hire somebody because we don't know Mama what we're needs doing. Mama help. Because, I mean, just like his idea felt weird to me. I didn't have any ideas. So um, he looked you up. I think it was like yellowpages.com or something crazy. Yeah, probably. And found right. you. And now I think back to the fact that you came to talk us through a shelf. Yeah, it was a consultation. And it was, it was yeah. so small though, it you was know, so, but that's how I started. You yeah. know, I really didn't say no to anything, you know, when I, because I just needed to get the experience. I needed to get all of this, um, you know, this client base under my belt because I, yeah. I knew people, but I didn't really, you know, it's different when you start your own company and people know that you're green and you need just time to build your reputation. And so, yeah, I would do projects like that. Yeah. But it paid off because I worked with you guys later down the exactly. road. And, uh, exactly. And know. did such a great job. At, but also just to watch you blossom has been really exciting. Oh, thank you. It really has. Um, I mean, what's one of the biggest projects you've done? Just to give some scale. Scale with, okay, so you did our shelves above the sink and you've also done. Yeah. I mean, we like right now we have over 65 active projects in our firm and that's that, you know, will vary from, you know, window treatments and decor on one job, but we're doing a 9,000 square foot custom home from the ground up. So, you know, it's, and, and we're also doing projects like in Marin County, which I never would have oh, thought that we would do. Yeah. And that was just through a referral from a past client from here. Mm-hmm. And then a, a, we're doing a co-working space in Ohio from that same past client. So it's just really? like random how, you know, 
not random. I believe some sense of, you know, things are meant to happen for a reason, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we've been able to take it from that to, you know, a full service firm, which has not been easy. It's just the, some days I just want to quit and work at Starbucks. I mean, it's always an option. It's always an option. And there's hiring. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and they will pay for school. So I sometimes I drive by, I'm like, ah, should I just go make a frappuccino? But um, I think that's every entrepreneur's like plight of yeah. like, you know, you have these like awesome, amazing days where you feel like you're on top of the world. And then the other days where you're just like, Ugh, you feel yeah. like you want to crawl out of your skin mm-hmm. because you're managing a lot. I mean, I am managing the staff plus the company plus clients plus a lot of things. So yeah. It's hard. It gets hard sometimes. Well, as far as kitchens go, I don't know if you would call yourself a kitchen um, specialist, but it seems like you would. You say that? Yeah, I have my, um, you know, I have my design degree in general interior design, and then I have a accreditation from the National Kitchen and Bath Association as an associate kitchen bath designer. So I took a separate exam for that Hmm. because, again, in school they don't teach you enough information about that you know kitchen design is so specific bathroom design is so specific Mm. and I feel like it's so important that you just don't you don't want to make a mistake in there it just gets expensive real quick yeah so I I went through that extra um certification to do that okay and so we love yeah you're an expert we love doing kitchens I learn something new every day on in general with with work but Mm. um I know enough to help people not make the same mistakes that I've seen happen. Yeah. And that's actually the first thing I want to ask is what are some of the mistakes, the common mistakes or, or even like common misconceptions that people have about remodeling a kitchen or building one from the ground up? Yeah. I think that, uh, clients sometimes can be, you know, they can see a project on HGTV, you know, with like God love Chip and Joanna Gaines and all of those (laughs) programs. I love them, but there are, they set unrealistic expectations on how long a kitchen remodel actually takes Mm. and what are the proper phases of the project that you need to do. You know, so many clients are trying to rush things and order things early, which is good, but you need to have a plan in place before you do that. Yeah. For example, a client that was not one of our jobs, but um, a friend of mine was telling me this horror story of the client installing a fridge that had a single door swing mm-hmm. and the clearance between the fridge and the island was not enough that you couldn't even stand behind the fridge to open the door. Oh. So you had to stand on the side of the fridge oh. to open the door and then close the door and put your stuff down. It's yeah. horrible. So mm-hmm. like those types of things of not really understanding proper egress, proper codes, like there's a reason these things are in place. Yeah. And if you're trying to DIY it and do it yourself, it's just difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you also do a great job or, and probably any good designer does a good job of, um, like mediating between different parties who want different things. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, a husband and a wife. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the spouses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it can be hard, you know, because some, most of the times the husband will say, well, make my wife happy, you know, happy mm-hmm. wife, happy life or whatever. But the husband always has a, an opinion too. And so we are like very, I used to not do this, but now it's a must when I go to a consultation, both decision makers are there. Smart. Whether it's fam- additional family members, maybe your mother-in-law is living with mm-hmm. you guys, like who is actually going to use the space day in and day out? I need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And are they shorter? Are they taller? Like just things mm-hmm. that... um that you wouldn't normally think about, but ways that we can improve the way that they use a kitchen. I need to, to talk to them to know that. And so between a 
spouse, usually it's um, comes down to like budget, just most often. No, I know. <laughs> like, I you mean, know, yeah. like <laughs> somebody wants to spend more, and it's not always the husband doesn't want to spend. You know, the wife could be the more frugal one, and the husband's like, yeah. let's do it. You know, yeah. so. Um, I'm always just trying to get to the core of like, okay, what is the end result here? What do you guys really want? And what's the vision? And how can I bring that to life? Yep. Yeah. For us, I mean, yes, budget was for sure an issue because there was only so much, you know, like there was an end to the money. Um, But also Jake tends to be more function oriented and I'm far more form oriented so it's it can be actually a really good partnership. Yeah. Um, but it helped to have you there to talk to both of us and, you know, in your very diplomatic way, <laughs> come to some kind of a, a, a center point on, yeah. on those. Yeah. Like what is, I don't know. And it's so much of uh, designing is, um, I don't know the right word, but you have to read between the lines and like look at mm-hmm. people's body language and the way that, you know, they could be nodding and agreeing with you, but then their body language says otherwise. And so it's like, <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Like, why do you not like that particular color? You know, like I know Jake really wanted a gray kitchen. Yeah. You wanted a white kitchen. You remember. It's a gray kitchen. It's yeah. beautiful. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, it's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. But, but yeah. we had to come to some kind of a compromise. That was the thing, yep. you know? And so, um, yeah, so it's just kind of navigating through that. And it's ultimately like the client's responsibility to talk amongst themselves of mm-hmm. like, okay, how do we want to get from point A to point B? I can only get you there by persuading you or telling you the pros and the cons. But, but yeah, there have been some like really awkward instances between spouses that I've been in the middle of. So mm-hmm. that's a real horror story. So <laughs> but. people are so like, especially I think in the West, we love our homes. Like our home is for so many of us who are privileged to have one. Yeah. Um, it's our project. It's our, to-do list it's our goal so much of our identity is wrapped up in our homes yeah um it's how we spend our time it's how we spend our money um you know for better or for worse I'll say for the purposes of your business definitely for better yeah I love when people remodel yeah 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 so let's just say for better (laughs) yeah but um but it's so personal to us it's like I mean it's one of those things that it just it kind of says it, looking at my home, I feel like like it's an extension of me, yeah, um, which is lovely. But when it's in disarray or not functional the way I think it should be, it's painful. Yeah, it just can make you feel like I pay attention to how spaces make me feel, and I yeah. think that was like the first. You know, I wasn't making dollhouses when I was little. That was not me. I was the person that was looking around at, okay, I love being in this hotel or I loved being at my friend's house because she had these huge vaulted ceilings. Okay, why did I feel that way? Because Mm -hmm. it was nice and open. Like that's how I would start to pay attention to spaces. And um, I think, you know, like your house, you walk into your living room and it's so cute and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. that is so Jamie. Like I can look Mm -hmm. at that and I can put a face to it. Yeah. And that's what we try you know, the same feeling with, with our, any client is like, okay, how can I pull an extension of them into the house and make the house kind of alive for them? Yes. And that's the true, like, you know, that's the challenge, but also the magic because once it comes together and they walk in and they're just like, I love it. And 
you know, we've had people like we had a design presentation. The clients cried because they saw a rendering of their house and they're like never could think it could look like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's an extreme reaction, but it was still awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, well, and the rendering yeah. capabilities that you have are so realistic. Yeah. You could see where someone would be able to jump ahead and picture themselves in a space that you've yeah. rendered. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge selling tool to us, but not not just a selling tool it's also huge for contractors and anyone else on the job because they'll look at the rendering and know what we're trying to achieve yeah. i mean we'll do the floor plan we'll do the elevations all the technical work it's not the same it's not the same because as a layman person you're i look at it every day and i still have questions about floor plans you guys looking at it I'm like i don't know what this is Mm-mm. once you see it in a render which i think we did for you we guys did. too yep yeah, we and, had to pay a little extra, and it was worth every penny yeah, to do it. Just to see the space and start to see how things start to come together. Yep. And that's like, I think that's the biggest present we could give to our clients, yeah. just to start to sell the vision. I want to take a second to talk about a couple friends of the Consumed podcast, like Midstate Containers. My contact at Midstate is Jake Knotts, and I have his permission to share about something going on with him personally. Jake lived in Ukraine for many years, and he married a Ukrainian national, his wife Anya. They live on the Central Coast now with their three kids, but when Russia invaded Ukraine last February, Jake was right back there, helping his friends, acquaintances, strangers, and even their pets to escape. Since that time, he and Anya have worked with a team of very capable folks to start a nonprofit called Restore UA, which seeks to organize, fund, and execute relief efforts in Ukraine. Jake is still on the ground in Eastern Europe, coordinating with people here on the Central Coast to fill containers from Midstate with humanitarian aid and ship them to Restore UA's headquarters in Poland. Every dollar donated to Restore UA goes straight to humanitarian relief efforts for Ukraine. They even have people sewing bulletproof vests for soldiers fighting Russian forces. It's incredible. The organization is starting to fill up more containers as I speak, and they could really use your financial support. To make a donation and learn more, visit RestoreUA.org. Thank you. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com, promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. 
Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a lifestyle publication that celebrates life and culture in San Luis Obispo, California. I write the food column for Slow Life, and I'm actually going out tonight to cover the new restaurant, Cult, for the magazine. I'm going to meet up with photographer Jess Lerner and owners Nino and Cher Ang, and we're going to eat, chat, and snap, and I can't wait. To make sure you see the final product when it comes out, get yourself a subscription at slowlifemagazine.com. Did you grow up, uh, did your parents have anything to do with like home building or no. design of any kind? My parents are both immigrants, so they're from Iran. So oh. they're I'm first generation born here and they had an arranged marriage. They're divorced now and happily remarried. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it was, um, you know, I was a very under a very strict Middle Eastern upbringing. And so mm-hmm. they wanted me to become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, like one of the, you know, a dentist or marry one like it was th- those were my options and I didn't want any of that you know I just found something that I liked and something that I was passionate about and um you know originally was very interested in architecture mm-hmm. and I actually applied to Cal Poly I didn't get in and then I got accepted to San Francisco State and FITM down in LA mm-hmm. and I just thought okay I'm gonna go for design this is really what I want. FITM is so good too. Yeah it's it was really a, respected. It was a really good school it's, it's expensive but mm-hmm. what college is not expensive. Yeah. Um, but it was worth that investment you know that and getting my bachelor's degree in business was just like necessary. I mean I think that yes you can be self-taught and you can have the experience but having some type of formal training, I think is important. Yeah. And it shows the client that you've invested in. Yeah. Like I got student loans all day, honey. So yes, (laughs) I'm I'm here for the long haul. So this is not a hobby. (laughs) I remember you had a, you had a side gig going where you had a shirt that said, uh, be the CEO Mm -hmm. your parents wanted you to marry. Yeah. So I started that just now I understand that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of the the reasoning behind it and because you know my parents were still supportive of me I don't mean to paint that and they're like are my biggest cheerleaders now Mm -hmm. but I think as a parent you want the best for your kid and you think that if they have this more secure profession of you know these staple you know jobs or they or they marry somebody that that can financially take care of them it's just easier you know Mm -hmm. and I wanted to go about it the harder way and that's Mm -hmm. what they were just worried about me to do. Mm-hmm. And my husband, you know, he believed in me from the start and supported me when I was starting out. I hadn't really no clients, no real money. And so he was a huge and still is a huge supporter of me and, mm-hmm. and how much time I spend at work and, you know, things like that, sacrifices that he's had to make um, so that I can follow my, my dreams. But yeah. but yeah, that's really the why the reasoning behind the shirt is just to show that you can do it if you want to do that. Yes, totally. Yeah. Did your parents, were they um, escaping? Were they leaving, like, political It upheaval? was after the revolution. Yeah. Um, my dad, you know, my dad was 13 years, my mom's senior, so he had already been in the U.S. He went to college here, and then um, my mom was, my dad's sister was my mom's teacher in high school, mm-hmm. and that's how they met. Mm-hmm. They went on three uh, supervised dates, and... Yeah. She came over, so she learned English at, I mean, they, we, I was born in Bakersfield, so mm-hmm. they lived in Bakersfield, and he dropped her off at Bakersfield Community College and said, okay, learn English, you're going to go into the x-ray program. That's what she did, and she's now a supervisor at, at her position, That's so amazing. she's been a huge um, 
it just a huge inspiration, you know. And so I think growing up with a working mom like that, it's like, okay, I want to be that for my family, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. I had yeah. no idea about all of that. Yeah. It's like a, you know, it's and a lot of um, other kids that come from traditional Persian families will relate to, you know, that what I've had to kind of go through. And yeah. it's an untraditional uh, path, but... I wouldn't change it. Yeah. So. No, definitely not. Yeah. And it makes me wonder about, um, you know, traditional Persian cuisine, too, for you. Are there dishes that you... I love Persian food. But do I know how to make any of it? Hell no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would sit in the kitchen and watch mommy cook, but I... And I was there for the snacks. So yeah. <laughs> my husband is the cook in the family. Like, yeah. he's awesome at it. So there's, like... I mean, she'll make, like, kebab or game and... Um, those are like my two favorites that she'll make. And so, yeah, I wish that I knew, but. Oh no, I don't care about I'd rather that. eat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. but so do you, with, with kitchen design, you at least at home, I mean, you have, I think you have a new house since I saw you mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. Um, how did you as the designer go about designing a kitchen that you would feel good in? Was it different? So our house is not, I mean, it was a flip. And so okay. when we bought it, so I have not like designed it yet. Okay. But in my head, I have redesigned it 20 million times. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so one of the biggest like things I hate about it is the island uh, does not have enough overhang for seating. So your knees are touching the wall. Yeah. And they didn't pull that overhang enough. It needs to be at least 15 inches deep. And so like that right away I would change. Yep. But, um, you know, in general, like things that I pay attention to with kitchen design, especially at my own house, is everyone's congregating at the island or at the peninsula Mm -hmm. they're hovering over you and so just making sure you have enough space to seat people there because no matter how nice your dining table is or how nice your living room is they are at on top of you in the kitchen it's true always you try to shoo them somewhere else yeah please go sit yeah please go sit but in so in persian um traditional persian lifestyle that's not the thing at all Mm. so we have you know you would sit in a formal living room Mm -hmm. the host would come around with tea and snacks and they would come with a tray and feed you that way like you never went into the kitchen ever Yeah. yeah And then in all my American friends growing up, we would hang out in the kitchen, you know, and it was yep. just casual and people had their shoes on, you know, it was just like a different people had thing. Their shoes on. <laughs> like, Gosh, I never, I never grew up taking shoes off and yeah. I so respect it actually, but I can't get in the habit. Yeah. I mean, we don't do it at, well, no, that's not true. I do it at my house. Yeah. But I don't make others do that, you know, I, as I also feel weird if a client is fine if they want to, but like I feel weird when they ask me to take my shoes off. Yeah. If it's like for a consultation, I just feel naked. Well, you have I don't cute know shoes what. too. I mean, right? Like, like yeah. I got cute little booties on. But um, <laughs> but yeah, at home it was like shoes off. You yeah, know, that's protocol. And stay out of the kitchen. Go in the living room. Yeah. Like it's just culturally, it's so different. Did kids come over to your house and like was it different or was it more like? Just, and I don't mean to put you on the spot at all, but yeah. if if you're going over to other, I can think of the friends' houses I went to where just up the street, actually, where they had this big open concept. Yeah. Which in the 80s was really starting to, you know, thing. bloom. Yeah. And it did feel kind of like a party house. Yeah. And my own parents, when they built their house from the ground up, because um, my dad's a builder and my mom's just an incredible, she, she can do anything. Um, that house, 1,800 square feet, ranch-style home in Napomo. But at the time, I think they built it in like 
three and they did not build for a super open concept. Yeah. Which is interesting, but then they started tearing walls out. Oh. Not the first house that they've built and torn walls out, not much long after. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden it was more of a party house, you know, yeah. not as compartmentalized. And so I just wonder, as you were growing up, did a bunch of people come to your house or? We didn't, like, we were not the hangouts. But yeah, yeah. We were not the hangout. I mean, we had our formal, like, Persian gatherings at our house mm-hmm. and, and it's just like a totally different vibe there. But like my friend, I would usually go to their house. Yeah. And, you know, my parents were very strict, so it was, like, selective on whose friend's house I could go to. And they'd I have mean, to know their parent, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure I will be that same way. But, um, yeah, we – I, like, remember my best friend's house growing up. They had a pool. They had a huge kitchen. She had her own ensuite, which I thought was crazy. What does I, that mean? What's an ensuite? It's a With bathroom, your own bathroom connected to a bedroom. Yeah, okay, okay. So I was like, what? You have your own bathroom I have to share with my brother? There's toothpaste and pee everywhere. And so it was like... Pee everywhere. everywhere. I grew up with a brother and I have a son. Yep. Yeah. So it was just like, (laughs) I would never forget. I'm like, that is like, you've made it, man. You have your own ensuite. So yeah, we were not like the friends hangout house, which I... I hope that like with my kid that we are that hangout house because Mm. I would have loved to have that, you know, and just... It was just different. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would just push back against that a tiny bit because... You don't want kids always over. Well, I, 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 it's easy to shame yourself for that. Like, why aren't we the hangout house? Why, 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 why? And I just, my style is, I don't know, like in terms of entertaining anybody, whether it's a child, an adult, a family member coming into town, it's okay. I think it's okay to be good with small, yeah, tiny groups of people. Do you know George and April Garcia? The uh, George Garcia, the architect in San Luis. Yeah, so I've heard of him. Yeah, okay. I don't know him, but um, I've heard of him, and he does awesome work. Beautiful work. Yeah, I went to his house one time to do a story because his home is so beautiful, so beautiful, and his wife April is a designer, and she does a great job. And they said something that it's like it gave me permission to be myself. They said that when they entertain they only will often have like maybe one or two couples at most. Oh, okay. And so when they designed their house, they did not do an open concept. They have a sitting room that they use all the time. They have like a study and a music room. They have a, a family room and they have a dining room. And I appreciated, I mean, I love our houses open. Yeah. But, um, really appreciated that they were like we don't have to be like everybody the party else. zone yeah we don't have to be the party zone and it's like the most comforting cozy secure house yeah so everybody's style is different just like giving yeah. permission to yeah do what you want I just would want him to feel comfortable enough to like bring friends over oh, for and, sure you know like not that I wasn't comfortable bringing friends over it just was like a different vibe you know my parents both worked full-time yep. they were always exhausted <laughs> and mm. so it's just you know trying to respect that but um but yeah it's it's interesting I mean that's one of the things I ask clients when I meet them and like if they are they are you guys a busy family like do you entertain a lot yeah. Do you truly want an island that seats a basketball team? Or are you okay with just, like, four bar stools there? Yep. Like, what is important to you? And it's just different. Every client is so different, you yeah. know? And so that's why, like, no two jobs that we do looks alike. And it's not, like, a cut-and-paste situation, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Although sometimes I wish it was, but it's not. Oh every, my gosh, I know. Every client is so unique. Well, and for us, you took out, we had a little bar. Like on our peninsula, there was a a little, what do you call the skinny thing that runs along the top in an old like 50s, 60s house? You know how it, it had was like just a, like a hutch almost that sat on top of the countertop. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it was, and that invited bar stools. Yes. But it was still too shallow. Yeah. And you said, you know what? You're not even using this space you're not even using that thing except it collects a bunch of crap right um so you took that out and we took out any possibility for seating and it's been awesome because now it's all one level you extended the peninsula and now when we bake or when we like make tamales or whatever we have all this space to run with yeah it's wonderful you have lots of prep space there and just kind of maximized your kitchen yep you know as best as we could so, yeah, sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes you don't get the kitchen with the huge basketball right. team island, and that's okay. Yep, it's totally okay. So, talk to me about when, before we started recording, I was talking about the fact that our house is a post war bungalow stucco mm-hmm. box. Um, and so many people's homes are that way here. Yeah. And those homes, like you said, they were built to put a family in there and be done. It wasn't a lot of like, thought it's a production house yes i mean that's that was about quantity not quality and it was not um a thought out design you know they're boxes they're just trying to get families in there and you know the benefits of that are that like you guys are making it your own Mm -hmm. now which is awesome look at you reframing it all positively right (laughs) you know because i mean i don't know we'll meet with some clients and they have these like gnarly gargantuan like 80s style homes with like glass block everywhere and like crazy vaulted ceilings (laughs) and it's that is almost more limiting than what you guys have you know because you have to you can't change, I don't believe that you can change the house so much from the exterior on the interior that it feels like a departure. Like we're always really cognizant of that. You mean you're cognizant of the exterior always while you're working inside. Right. Like okay. I don't want to do, you know, like if you have a Spanish style stucco exterior house, I'm not making it a modern farmhouse on the inside. Or like Nantucket inside. Yeah. We're not, yeah. we're not going Cape Cod. Yeah. We're not going Cape Cod coastal here. <laughs> Like I'm just, I always remind clients of that and they don't want to hear that because it's like, can't, it's so much harder to change, you know, the architecture of the home. You yeah. know, there's so many elements that are there, but okay, can we paint the stucco or can we do siding or can, let's get rid of the glass block and let's do clear glass. Like there are ways to update it. And it's not to say that you have to do 80s on the interior, but it's just being a little, it, it limits you a little bit more on what you can and can't yes, do. Yes, it does, yeah. Versus having a box is like, okay, well, what do we want to do to that box? That's true. There's a lot of ways you could cut that box. Well, and when you're thinking about a place like ours, a little 50s house, you know, two bed, one bath, walls and pocket doors, absolutely the lower, everywhere. Yeah, the pocket door thing. Oh, God. Anyway, um... Yeah, we had that one spot where there were three pocket doors all adjacent to one another. You could just kind of spin laps around the post. Um, But those little homes, I mean, the character of the house could kind of jive with a mid-century sort of decor. And so I'm not a massive mid-century person, but I'm not going to, like you say, I'm not going to depart too deeply or broadly from the style of the exterior so when we redid the kitchen, we did keep it in kind of a yeah. mid-century style. And yeah. it really does, I mean, you can warm that up a lot with 
so much. I yeah. Mean, there's so much you can do to make that warm and inviting. Yeah. And still in tune with the exterior. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like, um, yeah, you just don't want to walk in and be like, okay, well, what house, am, whose house am I in now? Right. You know, or it, it has to be somewhat coordinated because there's that unspoken feeling that you get when you walk mm-hmm. into a space of just feeling at ease yeah. and comfortable. And when you don't feel that way, it's because there's chaos and mess somewhere. You yeah. Know? Something is not aligned. And it's like paying attention to those subliminal cues, I guess, is important. Mm-hmm. When you, when somebody's budgeting to do something like this, I mean, what is kind of a catch-all or, or a, in a nutshell, what do you say in terms of square footage, what to expect to pay? Or, or are there like tiers or thresholds for that kind of thing? I mean, for a kitchen, it's, you know, I would say kitchens remodels start at like 60 and go up from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and a great resource for anyone that's thinking about remodeling is remodeling.net. It's mm-hmm. a website that you can go on and they have a breakdown per county, per region in the U.S., but they also break it down per county. So in California, our closest county on that is Ventura County. Mm-hmm. And you can see what the median prices were for any home improvement projects. Oh, wow. Kitchens, bathrooms, deck replacement, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's free. So I will send clients that all the time of like, okay, if you don't believe me that a kitchen yeah. starts at this price, here's a great resource. That's yeah. a third party that's not connected to me whatsoever. Yep. So, I mean, it's gone are the days that you could do a kitchen remodel for $45,000. It just doesn't happen. Well, okay. Except we did ours for twenty five. dollars You did and, and you a can... lot of work yourself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you also can feel the pressure point of the yeah. budget in the kitchen. I mean, yeah. we for sure have places where we're just like... If we had spent a little bit more, yeah. you know, but um, we did do it ourselves and you were very gracious in letting us do it ourselves. Cause I can imagine it's hard to like hand over a plan yeah. and walk away and be like, I hope these people do it. Like justice. fingers crossed. Oh my God. Well, no, it's more of like, I feel a personal obligation to help you through it, you mm-hmm. know, through the end, even though, you know, I don't recommend homeowners GCing their own projects mm-hmm. and I've had you know, homeowners in the past say, well, I want to save the cost from hiring a contractor. I want to do it myself. And unless you are savvy in that, like Jake and you have done projects together before. So I'm like, I'm not, it's not your first rodeo. Mm. Unless you have done that before, I do not recommend it. You're going to mess it up. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to lose more money trying to correct these mistakes that you don't know what to look for. And a lot of it is leverage. Like these contractors here have leverage with these subs because they give them so much work. You as a Joe Schmo homeowner don't know these subs, Mm -mm. you know, and they're not, you are going to be the last person they're going to return their call. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing is there's so much pressure right now, right? I mean, subs, contractors alone, that's super tough, but subs are like impossible right now. Yeah. And you need somebody advocating for you to get you next in line. Right. And you need, and you know, also with the, a homeowner GCing it, it's like, okay, let's say you have to move a recessed can light. Okay, so that's cutting into the drywall. You need to get a drywall person back. You need to get somebody to texture the drywall. What if they do it wrong? The painter comes in, he doesn't like the way the texture is done. Like whose responsibility is this? Yeah. And who does that ultimately land on? If you had a GC, it's their gig, yeah, not you as right. a homeowner. But a homeowner trying to do that, you can see how dicey it gets yes, very fast. For sure. And so, well, so as far as, I mean, you're talking about making decisions for yourself and and trying to DIY, what is something that you as a professional see people asking for right now that they don't need? Hmm. 
asking for? I'm trying to think. I mean, a lot of it is I think people are unrealistic with their budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and they're asking for more than they have to spend. Oh, okay, yeah. And and I think they're um, also they're time expectations with everything because it's very bad out there. I mean, the the mm. labor and material delays are horrible. Yeah. It's 18 months to get a Sub-Zero fridge right now. <laughs> so, you know, mm. that sucks. But what but, about, what, what about like something like that? Like um, a piece of an appliance or like... Things that are kind of superfluous. IoT, exactly, where you're just like... Mm. Or, but if you say that, maybe it'll call out a client that you don't want to call out. Yeah, I'm trying to be very careful about who would listen to this because I do have to think about that now. But um, Or what's something that you've seen that is really helpful that people maybe didn't expect would be so helpful? I mean, I think what's big now, I mean, these uh, convection ovens have been around for a long time, but yeah. they have microwaves that have convection and steam built into them mm-hmm. that double as a secondary oven. So, I mean, for example... Like yesterday, we had a client that wanted four ovens, total of four ovens. Oh, my word. And it's literally just the two of them. And they're not going to get mad me talking about this, but because I told them to their face, you are never going to use those four ovens. Do they bake or something? I mean, a little bit, but like four ovens, that's a commercial kitchen, you know? Gosh, I love it. I want to come over. Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) so it's just like. And, be, and they want that because they saw it in a magazine or, yes. or Joanne down the street has it. She really mm-hmm. want what she had, you know. And so it's like that psychology part of a designer-client relationship is so important because it's like, okay, Nancy, you don't mm-hmm. need four ovens. I'm going to give you two ovens that you're going to use all the time and then a third convection microwave oven that you yes. could use. Yes. In the event that you have 20, 30 people over at Easter that all need to use the oven at the same time. like That's good. You know, and and yes, you only need that many ovens when you are entertaining once or twice a year. Yes, right. So it's just being practical and being realistic about your space as well. Like you just don't have the room to do that. Average kitchen does not have the capacity to handle that. Yeah, right. And so um, that's probably one of the more ridiculous things that will get asked. Yeah, but. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and a lot of thing, a lot of things that are nice now is having a charging drawer because mm-hmm. you have so many people that are now working at the kitchen island, like kids are doing homework yes. there now. And so we have these outlets that you can actually put inside of a drawer, mm-hmm. put their tablets in there, charge your computer, phone, whatever, and put it out of sight. So God, we need that. It's we, just, we really do. Yeah. Yeah. They're freaking awesome. And yeah. it just is helpful to get clutter off the mm-hmm. countertops. And so that's been something that's been really nice is just having like a dedicated space for that. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop. And visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. 
Native Nine Wine is part of Ranchos de Onaveros, a Santa Maria winery that sponsors the Consumed podcast. Owner James Onaveros was on the podcast way back in its first season, but if you haven't listened to it, I think this recent blurb from Food and Wine magazine will give you some context on who James is. This is written by Jonathan Cristaldi. James Ray Onaveros is a name to put on your short list of must-watch vintners. A ninth-generation farmer who works lands established by his family in the early 1780s, Onaveros decided to plant vines on the property in 1997, after which he studied at Cal Poly, worked in Sonoma, and soaked up the secrets of the Pinot trade during visits to legendary Burgundy estates like Domaine du Jacques and Domaine de la Romanée Conti. Today, winemaker Justin Woollett works with James to produce native nine wines, and they are destined to become commodities to stockpile. Out of this world, aromatics of savory, wild herbs, leather, and tobacco leaf are complemented by red currants and juicy cherries, all lingering through a long mineral finish. Well, I, Jamie, can confirm that the wines really are that good. Let the stockpiling begin at ranchosdeonaveroswines.com. I love that. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but our command center over to the right of By the your fridge. Garage. Yeah. Yes. Um, that yeah, collects mean, stuff. What, what's nice is it's kind of tucked back, but we are getting a new cabinet in this new remodel that we're doing, the section of the house. And so we could potentially use the top drawer over there as, as a, charging a charging drawer. drawer. I yeah. love that idea because there is stuff everywhere yeah i mean they have we have one in our showroom and it has ability for usb too so you can just like plug in the kids tablets and put it away yeah and i think it's more like since the pandemic with kitchen design i've been seeing having more um hidden storage Hmm. Because your spaces are so much more utilized because you're home so much more. You're and it staring feels like at the shit. Crawling all over me. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like I want to hide all my appliances. I mean, yeah. and that's not a new concept. They've had appliance garages with the tambour doors forever. Mm. But now it's okay, well, let's reimagine what an appliance garage does and let's yeah. have a coffee bar that's hidden and concealed. Yeah. So that it's giving you just peace of mind that it's put away. Put away is big for me. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite thing in our kitchen, it just is reminding me that, yes, okay, it can't, it is expensive to hire a designer. I mean, it just, it's going to cost more because it's a professional who does yeah, this job, but you actually saved us a ton of money in lots of ways. Um, you helped us get the cabinets that we could, that would fulfill what we wanted it to look like Yeah. at, a, a, I mean, cheaper than we could have found. Um, and you also gave me my favorite part of the kitchen, which is that sink. We have a full apron sink, one basin sink, and um, those were running so much more expensive than what you found for us. Yeah. So having a designer really does, I mean, aside from just making things function, they can save you money for sure. I think it's, I mean, if I was, you know, had the opportunity to remodel a kitchen and I had a budget in place, I would hire a professional to help me because Mm. I don't know shit about shit you know I yes don't, you do well I'm just saying I'm saying if I was a consumer oh I, I would hire, yeah no right now I wouldn't hire a designer I'd hire myself <laughs> I'm like what but, is she kidding yeah <laughs> but if I was a consumer yes. you know um it's hiring like any professional you know you have a hairdresser because they know what they're doing I'm you not know I'm not, I'm not cutting my own bang Mm-mm. Mm-mm. been there done that you know <laughs> like I have an accountant because they are so good at their job yeah. and I trust them and it's like we are that we are a specialty, you know, and so it's not every client has the budget for us and not, and we're not 
fit for every single project. But when you are embarking on a project as big as a kitchen remodel, it's something to consider because we can save you from time, wasted time, wasted money, Mm -hmm. and provide a safe, functional kitchen for you too. Yep. That looks good. That definitely Duh. looks good. Um, yeah. You just started your own podcast. Tell me I about did, that. yeah. So this just because I needed another thing to do. Of course, you did. You know, I just Crazy added it to the list. It's something I had been wanting to do for mm-hmm. a while. And the podcast is called The Buzz by Honeycomb, and it's um, the open house for industry experts and homeowners. And what that means is it's a platform that I interview different subcontractors in the construction industry and talk to them about what their struggles and challenges were when they started their business. So Mm -hmm. it's industry facing in that sense, but it's also consumer facing because we talk about our own struggles with clients and with projects and what do people not understand? What do they not quite get? Yeah. What questions do they have so often for you that we can clarify on this podcast so that when they have their next project, we're helpful and we're able to give them that education Because there's so much misinformation out there. And that's the point of this podcast is to give you a different perspective and a way to really educate clients, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's relatable for the industry because we talk about like, you know, I talk about my horror stories and things that Mm -hmm. went wrong in my projects. And then, you know, we hear from these entrepreneurs and business people about things that they've struggled with too. So I like that it's reality based and it's the antidote to say HGTV programs where, it like everything works out in 30 minutes. A hundred percent. Person cries wrong. at the reveal. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would love to tell, like I tell clients all the time, I do not have a staff of 80 people mm-hmm. and an unlimited budget of production to help you get this job done before your big 80th birthday party. Like I just can't mm-hmm. do it. You know, this is the reality of the project. This is how long it's going to take. I'm going to work my ass off to get it done on this time, mm-hmm. but it is not like TV. Yeah. And so um, I just think there's so much misinformation out there. And, you know, our industry is at, um, it's kind of scary because they're not pushing trade programs anymore. And Mm -hmm. so we have this huge labor shortage that you're seeing here, you know, and labor is more expensive because of that. And so how do we get the youth to, you know, get educated with these programs that are not as glamorous as being a TikTok influencer. You know, you're not making like $1 million with, with a video, which is awesome. Like that's freaking great. I want that. But at the same time, you know, I want to empower and educate people that, um, to go into the construction industry because it is a noble, you know, career and you can actually make good money from it. We depend on you. Yeah. Yeah, Like sure. It's just scary to think that it's something that is not being pushed, you know. I wonder so. if that's because of the big push when we were kids for higher education. You know how it yeah. was like, if you don't have a college degree, you will not be able to live, is the message that I got. Yeah. No, it's the same with me. We had no um, option not to go to school. Yeah. Like, and I, and I was just talking about how it's important to be to have formal education, which it so is, but that doesn't mean that you have to be bankrupt to going to a four-year school. No. Like, no. I mean, you can go to a trade school is just as amazing sure. as a four-year, you know, if you can take that and really do something with it. Yeah. And so... Um, and we need, like, we need you. We need it. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping, like, not that I'm, like, an advocate for trade schools, but it's just I saw a gap in... Um, 
in, you know, podcasts really that didn't talk about the industry and, and things that were working and things that weren't working and how that relates to design and construction. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that it can inspire people to, to kind of follow suit. Yeah. It's interesting so. to be um, a designer in a field that, you know, depends on the visual nature of what you're doing, but then yeah. to have an audio show but you're, it's because you're having conversations with people about the process and about the industry. And, yeah. Um, but you have a really good, I think as a designer these days, anybody in a visual field, you have to have a really good social media presence. And you oh, have yeah. to really think about how how you're going to showcase these jobs that you've done. Right. Um, have you ever thought about trying for a TV show or something like that? We, you know, a little dirty secret. I've been contacted several times by different casting companies mm-hmm. over the past few years. And, um, you know, some of them cast for Discovery, HGTV, you know, mm-hmm. th- those types of programs. And I've been interviewed probably six or seven times. Wow. And it got to the point where I had a, like a couple of Zoom interviews and just nothing like came from it, which mm-hmm. is fine. You know, and it's not necessarily something that I be you know it's not necessarily like my end all be all goal goal, you know it would be freaking awesome and I think I would have fun with it but um but yeah I mean the podcast is more of like what's something put on while you're going to work you know and just and it's started out with local like I have two guests that are both local so the first one is Zeke Graf and he owns ZG Plastering Company and he is an amazing like he has just a really cool story Mm -hmm. he's very charismatic and he has his own mentorship program that he does for con- construction industry oh, which is awesome, awesome. Yeah. and then naomi nielsen who's the owner founder and ceo of a native trails oh, which yeah. is a local company here but they're a nationwide plumbing fixture company yeah. and she has a really cool story too and so yeah. cal poly grad and so anyways i um interviewed her and she's just awesome so it started out with local people but i'm going to be branching off to um just some of my contacts from all over and getting different perspectives. So yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy you started that too. It seems like a good project for listeners, but also a good project for you. Kind of like yeah. introducing a different side of yourself to the business. Yeah. And I learn a lot from it too, yeah. you know, in, just interviewing and learning what other people go through and what challenges they have. Um, because clients really are, you know, they they come to us for our knowledge and for our advice and expertise. And so it's like something I'm always trying to, what more can I learn? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned horror stories. This is the last second to last thing I'll ask you. Give me a really good juicy one. Give me a good oh one. God. Well, this one, um, this is my $10,000 rug mistake. So give it, I've told this. So this was a client that, um, I'm just going to be very selective with my words. Mm-hmm. Difficult client, challenging client. Um, you can always cut this. Yeah, so that's <laughs> more, mostly what this, you know, and that's not going to give a ton away. But, yeah, it was a challenging, difficult job. And, um, you know, uh, so a lot of other subs had quit on this job, if that gives you, like, any backstory. Like, very difficult. Yeah. And I, I kind of put up with a lot, you know, and I'm pretty, like, patient and understanding. You know, I'm just... I think that I'm pretty easy to get along with. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of just beat up the whole time on this project, like just for lack of a better word, just beat down. Mm-hmm. And it got to the very end and I was delivering furniture for her and it was a whole house remodel. 
And um, we picked this $10,000 beautiful handcrafted rug from India. It was freaking gorgeous. Had silk in it. Like, just crazy. Yeah. And she, like, in no way sweated paying that invoice. Mm -hmm. $10,000 rug. Meanwhile, I hadn't gotten paid for my design time. And that was, like, $2,500. And at the time, I had no money. And this was, like, over Christmas. So I still hadn't gotten paid. So that was kind of the back story. Then we get the rug delivered. It is the wrong fucking size. It is huge. <laughs> it is huge. And Could you drape the house? Dude, I tried every fucking thing. We rolled it out and it's like covering the stairway to the, uh, covering the stairway and oh. it's covering into the kitchen. It's just, I fucked up. I didn't measure oh, it twice. You know, yeah. I just laid it out. I laid out a quick tape. I'm like, okay, nine by 13 rug. That's going to be perfect. It'll be good. Let's, let's get it in. Let's get it in. <laughs> and then she's at work and so I like I call her and we and okay cherry on top this had been three months to wait for the rug which is a pre-covid delay so that was a long time pre-covid so anyway we get the rug delivered I call her and I'm just like I'm so sorry it's the wrong size I need to figure out what the options are and she's pissed fine whatever so then I call my people that I bought it from and I'm like okay what are help me please I yeah. need help and so they're like well you can cut it down and actually cut it down to the size that you need. I'm like, cut it like with scissors? You can cut it down. Yeah. I mean, oh, you can trim oh. it down that way. And so I'm like, Ugh, I don't oh, think gosh. she'd be she'd be into that. But let me ask. You know, I was desperate. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, can I send it back? And they said, yeah, but it's non-refundable, non-returnable. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. Then what's the point in sending it back? Like, basically, I could send it back, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting my money back. Like, mm. so... I called her and I just said, um, hi, um, <laughs> uh, can I cut down the rug for you? You know, and she's absolutely not. No way. All right, fine. Whatever. So then I go back to my rug people. I'm like, what do I do, you guys? Like, I need an 8x10 rug. I asked all of my designer friends, like, do you have this rug? Can I buy it off you? Can, I, can we negotiate something? No. I had to order a brand new rug for her. I had to pay for it. Oh. It was painful. I had to make payments to do it. I mean, it was so bad. And, you know, that's a huge loss for anyone, but especially starting out. Yeah. You know, and it, if I had a maybe more understanding client, could we have like worked something yeah. out? I think so. I think we could have worked something out. You yeah. know, like cutting down the rug is not that unusual okay. in those custom rugs. Um, but she just didn't want that, you know. Do you now have a super gorgeous 9 by 13 Indian silk rug? I was able to consign that bad boy. So we, I, you know, I worked it out in the end. Okay, good. But, um. That's the most stressful I think I've ever felt talking to a guest about like a horse. (laughs) I can like feel it in my chest. I just want to die. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a horrible, I mean, I remember just crying in my office and being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is so much money and I have to take out a loan to like pay it. And just was like, you know, it's. But that's not uncommon in the construction industry with, mm. you know, these big, like, projects that you work on, you yeah, know? And yeah. in the grand scheme of things, was that not that big of a deal now with the projects I'm working on? No. But it's still... You were beginning. Yeah, it was just a little munchkin. And I and just... under so much stress, yeah. And I felt that if I, like I said, if I had a more understanding client that... um I don't know. I feel like it could have been, the whole situation could have been better. And so, you know, in the end, I got her the rug she wanted. We were fine. We parted ways. It's all good. Good. But it was a lesson to me and to have my processes in place. Like I 
triple, double check everything mm-hmm. now. And yeah, I mean, I don't work with clients that I feel like are going to be that difficult. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. And maybe if you had been further along in your career, you would have had more confidence earlier that be before that to say, listen, homegirl, listen to let's me. Let's talk. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Like it's just, and that's hard. That's a big hard, yeah. that's a hard skill because, and sometimes you don't know until you get into it with a client too. Yeah. yeah. How do you fire a client? That is tough. And I've done it before and we have mm-hmm. been fired and I have fired clients mm-hmm. and I, now it's gotten easier because I, my skin is thicker, I think. And I just don't, I'm too busy focusing on the next thing to like, let it get to me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just, you have sometimes the writing's on the wall of like, okay, we're not in sync. Like the things mm-hmm. you are telling me are what we are doing, but that's not what you're wanting in yeah. reality. And so, yeah, we just say, I don't think we're the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had a client come to us and say, okay, well, I think we're going to go a different direction. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, yep. you know, it's not perfect and it, you can't make everybody happy. But you're like, I have 65 other projects that I'm doing right now. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. You know, I try and, treat every project like they're my only one I, I try and give them my attention like they're my only one but yeah I mean I'm too focused on what else I can't dwell on it you know no. and you and my point just is that you're in demand yeah I mean so. we're we're trying we try really hard at everything that we do and we're not going to nail everything but yeah. we try yep so, for sure yeah um last question is if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and you wanted to celebrate your life, like a happy thing. Yeah. Um, what would you eat and what would you drink? Ooh, yeah. And who would be there? Okay, well, um, I mean, my whole family would be there mm-hmm. and my friend, you know, everybody would be there. Oh, it would be just a party. Yeah. And um, I would be drinking Vuv. Oh, because you know, I still the widow. I still love it so much. It's just that orange label, man. I know, like it's luxury. It really is. Like I would. Okay, before I die, I want to go to the polo thing, the move clique, the the um. Oh, the one that they sponsor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how you get invited to that, but I want to be there for sure because I just want to be an orange, you know. That particular orange. I actually got, somebody brought me sunglasses in that orange from, it was part of the from swag the thing. thing. Oh, yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'd be drinking. What I'd be eating is a mixture of like pizza, mm. you know, because I love pizza, mm-hmm. but then chola kebab is Persian food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that would be it. Yeah. And some baklava for dessert and gelato. Be so good. I love it. A little, yeah. a little, um feast a little bit of everything yeah yeah and it just would be fun everybody would be there and just be a fun time yeah you're lovely and you're so informative and helpful thank you for coming on thank you for having me you're you were such an awesome client and friend and i appreciate you so oh yeah thank you That's another episode in the books for the Consumed Podcast, which is produced and edited by me, Jamie Lewis. Special thanks to Stefan and Elisa Geraldo of Geraldo Creative Studio for their beautiful video and photography work that's kind of sprucing up my Instagram feed at Jamie C. Lewis, as well as on the website, letsgetconsumed.com. And thank you listeners, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Jamie Lewis.